On this episode of The Watchlist with Patty and Bill, not only do we have our regular reviews, but we have got tons of news to give you. News about an office reboot, Moonlighting finally hit streaming, did did Netflix just send out its last DVD, and oh my goodness, if you share your Disney account, you're in the hot seat. Anyway, all of that and more coming up on this episode of The Watchlist with Patty and Bill. Wow. That's quite the opening. <laughs> Welcome back to The Watchlist with Patty and Bill. Make sure you hit that subscribe button wherever you listen to your podcasts. And don't forget to tell friends about us as well. Uh, you can also make up your own watch list and catch up on back episodes by going to thewatchlistpod.com. You can engage with us on social media. We love that. At symbol Pirate Alice, at symbol Bill Ivory Larson, and at symbol The Watchlist Pod. And if you just happen to listen to us on Apple, please give us a five-star review. Sorry about the kinetic opening. I'm, like I'm half... I'm half tired and half wired because I drank coffee into the afternoon. Oh. But I'm really tired and I have an early day tomorrow, so uh, it's a weird energy level for me right now. So I'm sensing that weird dreams will be afoot. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. How you doing? I'm okay. Okay. Yeah, nothing much going on. Okay. Yeah. Oh, well, guess oh, wait, what? there is uh, something oh, big what? going on. What? What? This evening, Saturday... While we're recording this, my niece Violet is at her homecoming dance with a boy. <laughs> right? Okay, so the old guy in me is like, fuck, she's that old already? Right? Oh my God. First of all, I still can't believe that Sam has children. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> and and no offense to Sam at all. It's just you know she's I know Sam, this little kid, not 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 Sam the mama. Right. Anyway, and Violet is at a dance. Yeah, she's a high school freshman now, and she is at no the homecoming shit. dance, the big one. A boy invited her to go. As a freshman? Yeah. Wow. I her social know. status just picked up. Well, according to Sam. The school yeah. has a total, this high school has a total number of students of 40. Oh, jeez. <laughs> so probably every boy in the school is on a football team. <laughs> you, you're going to double as quarterback and water boy. Okay, get to it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sam is a uh, the chaperone this evening. So <laughs> nothing untoward will happen. I'm like, did you Google this boy? What is his name? Let me Google him. I'm just impressed you use the word untoward. <laughs> she sent me a picture and he is holding her hand. How old is this boy? I don't, she won't tell me. She only gave me his first name, so I can't do my full Google lookup of this guy. So All right. As long as he doesn't look 47, I no, guess she's okay. he does not look like he's 47. Well, I hope they have a good time. I hope and so I hope too. they're in bed by 10. So I've actually got three things this week. I've got four. 
and and the pieces of news that I mentioned Ooh, in the news. spectacular energy-driven opening. Oh, nice. Okay. okay. Yeah. All right, so you got four things, so you go first. Okay. So the very first thing I have is a brand new Korean drama. It's on Vicky. It is called... So I want to bring this up because of reasons, but it's called The Escape of the Seven. So now... I don't usually get like anxious about things. I'm not an anxious kind of person. But when I see shows where like somebody is being incessantly like kicked down and kicked down and nobody's listening to them and nobody's believing them and just it's getting shittier and shittier and the bad people are just ruling everything. I start to like and that that the main person just has zero power getting kicked down. Mm-hmm. It starts to make me feel really anxious. This is like, okay. And a lot, there's been other shows like the, there is that Netflix mini series about the um, central park five. I think Yeah, yeah. that I couldn't, I could not watch more than like half an hour of it because I just got so angry and it just visceral inside. Like I, I just, I can't, I know what's going to happen to them, and, and it upsets me so much I can't finish watching. And that okay. that's where I was with this show. Uh, it All of the episodes aren't out yet. I mean, it just premiered on the 15th of September. So there's only, like, three, four episodes available right now. And okay. that is what my feeling was in the first the first two episodes, I want to say. This poor girl okay. gets told, like... She uh, there's this poor girl, and she's getting totally shafted by all the people around her, from her, her birth mother to her grandfather of, from, her birth father. And then all the kids in the new school she attends, they all decide to to go after her and target her. And this one girl frames her for, uh, for shit because yeah, reasons. Kids okay. are dumb. And the only people who truly believe her are her uh, adoptive parents, but they have zero power as well because they're not rich. They're poor people. And uh, this girl's got a heart condition and I'm just watching it and I'm like, like, is she going to get her revenge on these assholes? Because I just, I can't watch this if bad things happen. I just can't. Things start to turn around. The revenge is starting to happen by the third episode. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to keep going with it. But do you get that kind of a feeling watching something? Do you ever feel an anxiety over characters in a show or a movie to where you're like, I don't know if I could keep watching this if this person isn't going to get yes. justice. And I do. And and that's the reason We've quit certain shows. Yeah, mostly. So I, quit I used shows to watch like Glee all the time. Okay. And I and and were we in it for the plot necessarily? Eh. But we loved the music that they did. They did incredible mashups of different yeah. songs and performed and sung beautifully. It was great. But I got tired of it because the meanness of it just got to a level where I couldn't do it anymore. And and in that, your anxiousness comes from, okay, stand up for yourself, fight back, do something to even this out. Mm-hmm. 
And if nothing was being done, and this is coming from a kid who was bullied yeah, in school yeah, same, as well. Same. So, you know, I'm like, I'm totally about revenge, like movies and all that other sort of stuff. Not that I'm seeking revenge, revenge <laughs> right. but you know what yeah, I'm saying. Yeah. And and at that point, I was just like, no, because if I feel my blood pressure rising watching something, then I shouldn't be watching it. Yeah, yeah. You know, like that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yes, if something is exciting that I'm watching, then okay. But if I'm waiting for a character who is beaten down completely for whatever reason, I'm no, that's not entertaining. That's just mean. Yeah, yeah. So, yes, I do feel that way okay. very, very much. The, this girl um, who keeps getting kicked down, she is trying to fight back. She's okay. standing up for herself and saying, no, this isn't happening. But that nasty bitch who has framed her has all this... She has this, in air quotes, evidence that she's twisting to make it look like, yeah, that the girl, our girl, is a bad apple. She's a bad seed, and this is, it. she's trying to pin this on me, and I'm innocent here. All right. And that, I'm just like, ah, it makes me angry. But the question is, are you going to stick with it long enough to see the potential revenge, or are you going to give up on it because it's just too... No, it, you I'm, know, I'm you know. into it. Like, I got through that first episode, and then the second episode, you still, th- you're thinking shit's going to happen, but then there's a change, and you're like, okay, okay. Mm-hmm. The girls, th- this revenge is coming. These people are going to get it. Excellent. And then I ran out of episodes, and I'm like, God damn it. <laughs> so, yes, I need to keep watching now, because I want to see how how they bring all these people down, because the setup is there to bring all those people down, the seven people who are behind okay. all this. So all it's right. there. We're ready for it. And it looks like the nasty bitch girl is is getting like totally fucked, which I'm like, yeah. yeah. Right. But I Where don't know this? how many. This is total. on Vicky again? Yeah, it's on Vicky. It's called The Escape of the Seven. I don't know how many episodes there are going to be, but it looks like through November... They'll be releasing episodes, um, new episodes, Friday and Saturday. Are there oh, wait, seven it says, bad guys, by the way? It says there are 17 episodes here. I just noticed it. Yes, there are. And how long is each episode? The, the ones I saw are about an Jesus. hour. What? Okay. Well, it's, it's well 17 series. hours of anything is just. That's the average And we're going to get to that in a minute. That's the average number of episodes a for a lot of series, 17-ish. So the first thing that I have, I'm just going to get the the mediocre thing out of the way because the other two things that I watched are actually good and great. So the mediocre thing that I watched is called, hang on, wait for it, Time Warp, The Greatest Cult Films of All Time, Volume 1. There are three volumes to this. And apparently they're all somewhere on Amazon Prime, although I didn't see the other two listed. But it and it it's an hour and forty one minutes, and it goes into movies like the Rocky Horror Picture Show, the Big Lebowski, uh, Russ Meyer movies, different things, and it interviews people like writers and critics but also stars of these movies okay. talking about the cult status of these films. And after, I would say, about an hour ten, 
I'm like, okay, we can be done now. Hmm. Because I thought that that some of those movies, like they, they mentioned the original Point Break as a cult film. And I don't see that as a cult film. And so Laura and I were sitting around like trying to define cult film. And and they said that movies like Eraserhead qualify as yes, a cult film. Yes, Eraserhead, yes. Rocky Horror Picture Show is the greatest cult film mm-hmm. of all time. And there are two more volumes that go into sci-fi and horror, and then one goes into comedies and so okay. forth. But Point Break? I felt like they were reaching. Yeah, I, I haven't seen that one like in repeats much anywhere to where enough people would follow it. And at midnight shows, like, Hey Patty, let's go to the midnight showing of Point Break. Yeah, it's not like a quotable movie either. Like you know, Rocky Horror has the callbacks and quotes and stuff. And I I went to a a screening at the Music Box of The Princess Bride, where they had all the this, they were trying to do the same kind of audience participation. Like sure, sure, like that. But I don't see Point Break having that kind of a thing to where you would have those kind of screenings. No, and and Princess Bride is certainly a, a far more quotable, I, and I dare even say cult film. Well, but it is. That one is. I guess reached, it could I feel be. The Princess Bride, I feel, has reached or is about to reach cult status as a film because there are enough people who are totally into it uh, during. COVID, there was like a bunch of stars did like like a, a crazy mashup uh, performance of it, like the whole damn yeah, thing. Yeah. There's like a bunch of videos going through it all. Um, and then there was a, they had the original cast with a few different people doing like through Skype, you could watch them. Or Zoom. Oh yeah, they did that for that performance. Uh, Fast Times at Ridgemont High. They did a perf- like a, a performance for a charity, or maybe it was for a political thing. I don't know, but they they read through the script. Everybody did, and it was I I got to see it, and it was really awesome. So there's those kind of things that people are willing to pay to see, you know, because yeah, well, po- yeah, Princess Bride. I think that one is a cult, and I, but. Point break. Right. No, and without point break. going too deep into it, I just felt like this movie could have been not as long as an hour and 41 minutes. Oh, that's a long time to talk about things. That's a long time. And like if this were an hour and 20 minutes, I think it would have been just fine. Because mm-hmm. I also think that they were reaching for different titles. Now, me being the film nut, I'm going to look at part two and part three. But do you need to see this? No. Okay. Yeah. Is it fun to kind of watch it to say, oh, yeah, I've seen that. And, yeah, I've never heard of that. That might look cool. Then then this might be your bag. But no, <laughs> I, I, I just don't see this as a, a thing you go out and search for. Okay. So it's called Time Warp, uh, Blotity Blee, Time Warp, The Greatest Cult Films of All Time, Volume 1. Volume 1. Okay. And it's on Prime Video. On Prime. All right. So my next thing is on Netflix. It is the great movie, The Machine. Yeah, this is uh, created by Bert Kreischer. I believe I'm pronouncing his name right. Well, he has this whole uh, 
stand-up routine where he talks about this freshman, this college trip he took when he was a freshman to Russia and partied with all these Russian mob guys and became known as this legend in Russian folklore of the machine. So he really did do that. He really did go to Russia in 1999 with his college and all that. Well, and the movie is a fictionalized version of that. And he, it's 23 years later and the Russians have come to find him because of something that was stolen during that trip that they want back. And they kidnap him and bring him to Russia with his dad. His dad gets kidnapped with him. And his dad is played by Mark Hamill. Okay. And it was this was really just a goofy, silly thing. It, it's like you know, a really a father son relationship that's like very uh, stressed. I don't know what the word is for it. Um, strained. There you go. A strained relationship, and how this crisis has forced them together, and you know, the mending the relationship and through mending his relationship with his dad, he can mend the relationship with his wife and his kids and, and just a lot of goofy shit going on in the background because, you know, Russian mob. Okay. It's a fun movie. It's on Netflix. It was, it was fun. Yes. You should watch it. Go ahead. It's fun. You'll laugh. You'll be like, what the (laughs) fuck is this crazy shit? I'm like, Oh my God. (laughs) And that, that was my reaction. At first, I was like, I don't know that I want to see this. But I figured I'd be nice and I'd let Dwight watch some stuff. And so we watched it together. Oh, well. Okay. <laughs> yes, we watched it together. And it was funny. So the next thing that I have makes me go back on something that I said years ago. Oh. The Golden Bachelor. Oh. So I watched The Golden Bachelor primarily because I had heard decent things about it online. Okay. And I was like, okay, I will watch this. And I'll tell you what, I'm glad that I did. Really? And I'm glad that I did because... And I don't, I haven't watched The Bachelor in years. I've never really watched The Bachelor. You are not enhancing your life at all by watching any episode of The Bachelor. I realize, it is just, which is why I don't watch it. But I watch this because of two things. One, word of mouth on the show. And two, I was genuinely curious about how they would treat older people. Mm-hmm. The whole premise of the show is literally... Um, a guy who is a he's a widower and he's in his 70s and he enters the show because he wants his, his the love of his life passed away and so he's ready to have a relationship again well i i will tell you what they did a really good job of making me connect with him on such an emotional level it almost made me cry. Wow. Okay. And they did that at the very beginning. And v- like visibly, when you see him put his hearing aid in his ear, 
All right, this is a real dude. Yes, he's good looking. He's in his 70s. He's fit, you know, all that. But he also has physical things. Like he has to put his ear, his hearing aid in. You know, he's mourning. He's still, you know, in certain things, grieving with about the loss of his wife. And he's still not, you know, fully behind this, but he's willing to give it a shot. But then they also talk to the women that are vying for his attention. And so they do these little vignettes about certain women. And it just made such a connection. And not only that, and this, I run the risk of this sounding very sexist, so I'm going to caveat this and say that I don't mean this to sound sexist at all. But they made women over the age of 60 look sexy and vibrant. And that to me was like, all right, this is awesome. Because it does change a perspective about how sexy and with it and and active someone over 60 can be. Because the cutoff for the youngest woman is 60. Okay. And these women go from the 60s to the, to the mid to late 70s. Oh, wow. Okay. In terms of age. And they're all awesome. So... At the end of the first episode, it gets into the tripe that all of the episodes of The Bachelor, oh, I can't do this anymore. This is the hardest thing I've ever had to do. Blah, blah, blah. It's, you know, your typical Bachelor show. But what I dig about it is that they're doing it with older people and it doesn't feel exploitive. At least at the moment. Well, I think part of why they're doing it with older people is because... Older people watch regular network television. And True. that's who's going to tune into that. If you put older people on the show, they're going to be interested in checking it out. Because young people already aren't watching network television. And, you know, The Bachelor, while very popular, I think to get more people watching, you get the people who are already on network TV. And maybe they'll flip mm. to it and they'll stop and be like, oh, hey. There's some old people on this show. And maybe, just maybe, they're trying to grasp what Golden Girls may have had. Because that was about older people, and it was a hit. And maybe they could get some kind of, like, that kind of stuff. But I don't know about that. If, you know, it's it's a fucking reality show, you know? It's a fucking reality a show made show, by the people yeah, of The Bachelor. Yeah, you could get some good jokes, but a, a reality show? Hmm. I mean, and they do that cheesy, this is your final rose tonight. Oh, God. Good luck. And, and and that's just always cheesy when it comes down to the final rose of the night. This is the final rose. Thanks, Captain fucking obvious. Right? I yeah, I don't see any of the roses on that table or wherever they are. So do I recommend this to anybody who has avoided The Bachelor? Absolutely not. However, if you are looking for something that actually does kind of turn being older on its ear and offers up a different perspective with uh, this reality show format, sure, why not? I'm going to stick with it for a few episodes and see who does what. I may not watch every episode because I already have my favorite picked out, as bad (laughs) as that sounds, and I'm going to see if she makes it, and I think she will. But anyway, that's The Golden Bachelor. It airs on ABC, and then you can pick up reruns of it on Hulu. Well, my next thing is on Apple TV+. Plus. 
and it just okay. dropped all four episodes. Um, they're all there, ready for you. And it is called The Supermodels. This oh. is a docu-series, docu-miniseries, I don't know what you want to call it, about the supermodels from the 80s, 90s. And it talks to, um, they talk to Christy Turlington, Cindy Crawford, Linda Evangelista, and Naomi Campbell. Hmm. And wow. it's, they talk about their whole modeling career from the 80s when they were teenage girls and getting discovered or going to John Casablanca's modeling school and being all that. And it goes through their whole careers and what they're doing now and the fashion industry and how, and it talks about like how things have changed more recently, you know, after the nineties and with social media changing up ways models get discovered and all that and how it's totally different. But and, and, you know, their lives and what was going on back in the 80s. And uh, this was, I, okay, I never really followed the supermodels. I wasn't into models. I had a friend back then who was totally into models and wanted to be a model. But I, I knew their names. And, and when you see their faces, well, if you're old like us, you'll know who they are. <laughs> sure. You know? So, but, but I never followed them, so I had no idea what was going on with any of them. I didn't know that they were friends from their early days through now, I had, and that they were roommates at some points as well. I had no clue. Didn't know any of this. So watching it is, was really very interesting. Even though I'm not into modeling, I'm not into fashion shit, I don't give a crap about any of that. But this was really mm -hmm. cool for me to watch. I don't know what it was. But it's just really awesome. And learning the story of what's happened with Linda, Linda Evangelista, oh, my God, that's kind of heartbreaking, really. What's yeah, it her. is. I didn't know. See, I don't follow it, it so I didn't know any of it. And I'm like, oh, man. But, yeah, they get together and they do a, a, a present-day photo shoot and they talk to the photographers and different reporters, fashion reporters and magazine people and all of that. It, it, this was really yeah. cool to watch. This is really good. It's, and where it's is on it? Apple TV Plus. It is called The Supermodels. There are four episodes total, and it's really good. And yes, if you're into fashion and you're a young person, totally watch this because you'll get a good history of fashion. And mm. if you're old like us and need some nostalgia stuff, this is great to watch. And if you just have nothing else to do, watch it because it's really good. Perfect. So the last thing that I have before we get into news, I have to do two things. I have to shout out my friend Zara for recommending this show. So shout out to Zara for that and wish her a happy birthday. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. You are awesome and you rock. And I appreciate you so much for recommending Sex Education on Netflix. I have seen this. Dwight has chosen to watch this. And did you review it already? No, I have not. Okay. It's a show about a high school kid. This takes place in the UK. And he's a socially awkward high school student whose mom, played by Gillian Anderson, who... Mm -hmm. and, and it made me actually like Google this because she has a British accent again. She's she bi-dialectal. 
Yeah, and she spent, I think she grew up in England or something. Yeah, she something like that. She lived there like for that. several years, so she kind of picked it up. Yeah. So I got used to her watching X-Files, of course, so that's completely an American Same. voice. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, she starts doing Margaret Thatcher, and I was like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> but anyway, um, she plays the mom, who is also a sex therapist. Mm-hmm. So him being an awkward teenager, he's going to school. They ha- he and his best friend have normal awkward teenage problems like being bullied and all that other sort of stuff. Well, it comes to find out that duh, high school students have problems engaging with different aspects of sex as well. So using his mom's teachings, he becomes a sex therapist for a lot of high school students. Yep. This is an amazing show. It is a lot of fun. It's awesome. And and Asa Butterfield, who people may know from Ender's oh, Game. And, yes, yes. Yeah. His, and Hugo, he is just amazing in the role of Otis, the main kid. Mm-hmm. Now, do I think he's a little too awkward? Yes, but high school is about being awkward. Yeah. <laughs> if you have Netflix, you should absolutely watch sex education this has a couple of seasons right yes it does uh let me see here wikipedia which is so reliable (laughs) for the number of episodes and for the total seasons yes yeah it's (laughs) it's got uh it says number of series four okay so number of episodes 32 so there are eight episodes going back to our previous conversation Mm -hmm. uh eight episodes per season ish but if you have Netflix, check it out. It is funny. It is. It is. It hits host close to home because obviously everybody's been an awkward teenager. Yeah. And it's just amazing to watch. Yeah. The first two episodes feel like a self-enclosed two-hour movie. Also, by the way. But you just want to keep going because it's amazing. It is called Sex Education. It is on Netflix. All right. My last thing is the a movie and it's on Amazon Prime. It's called A Million Miles Away. It is the biographical film about the life of Jose Hernandez, the first Mexican-American astronaut. Oh. Uh, Michael Peña plays Hernandez and it's based on uh, the autobiography Reaching for the Stars. So it starts in the late 60s, early 70s, when Jose is a young boy and his family, are, they're migrant workers picking grapes in California going back and forth across the border from Mexico. Sure. And while it, in harvest season, he's attending school in America, and then he works in the fields after school with his family. And his teacher sees that this kid is crazy smart, and he's got a lot of potential to, to go somewhere and do something. But with the constant back and forth across the border, that's breaking up his education there. And that could really, that'll hurt his chances. So she visits his parents to say, hey, your son is really smart and he could go far. But with your, you know, with traveling, it's kind of, maybe you could just stay in one place. And so after his dad is only partially paid for wages. He's like, the teacher's right. Let, we need to do something. So they, he gives up on his dream of buying a home back in Mexico, stays in California to let his son go to school, and 
that's when it all starts with him moving on to college and the prejudice and stuff that he gets treated with because he's Mexican and his dream of going to space and being an astronaut and getting married and every sacrifice he had to make to get to where he wanted to be, to be the first Mexican-American astronaut in space. That's very cool. Space. Space. That's a really good story. It's a very heartwarming story. I really enjoyed it. And it's where on Apple TV Plus? It is on Amazon Like I said, it's on Amazon? Yes, it is on Amazon Prime. (laughs) Cool. (laughs) All right. I've got news. News. All right. I, I, I think I told you last episode that I told all of my friends who engage with the show and hit me up and suggest stuff and all that, that my friends are better than your friends because my friends actually do this. Yes. Yes. Okay. Well, Terry, shout out uh-huh. to Terry. Hey, Terry. I got to break the news to her that Moonlighting is finally coming to streaming. Nice. I shared so, it on our Facebook page, too. Yeah, so October yeah. 10th, uh, the all five seasons of ABC's Moonlighting will be available for streaming on Hulu. Nice. 67 episodes from 1985 to 1989. I and she and a lot of America cannot wait. Uh, yeah, yeah the, the big thing that was holding it back was uh, the rights to all the music. Because they use yeah. like popular music of the day, and yep. they only had like copyright for it for when it aired, and the few reruns it had, and then yeah, they that that was the big thing. And they even made they a point of this on on Sirius XM Radio when they mentioned it that it also includes Al Jarreau's theme song. Yeah. Oh yeah. And that's, that's right. one of them. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you're right. Yeah, so I just, but that's all the, something I remember reading way back when I was like, yeah, why can't so, I watch Moonlighting? You know. Yeah, <laughs> which is why, yeah. which is why the DVDs became so fucking collectible. Yeah. At yeah. one point, I even had this thing where I would go into like Goodwill stores to their DVD departments to try to find them. You know, and and I was like, damn it, I can't find him. And I was convinced that I would. Now that it's going to stream in its entirety, I bet you you'll be able to find him all over the place now. So, yeah, I'm glad that Moonlighting is coming out. That's I, great. I really yeah, am. I'm it's going to be a too. great rewatch. Awesome. <sighs> the Office reboot apparently is going to happen. <sighs> Why? I have no fucking idea. Because the Office, the U.S. Office was kind of a reboot of the British office. Yeah, exactly. So what's happening now? So Why you're rebooting the reboot. So after a reboot of The Office from original... Yeah, they've got Greg Daniels, the original showrunner, is reportedly in the works, uh, but no, no info about stars and production and all of that. But it is in the works, so sometime down the road we may get a reboot of The Office. Why? Is he, I have no idea. Is he the original like British showrunner or the original American showrunner? He is at least the original American showrunner okay. with okay. Steve Carell. Okay. Whether the celebrities who played Pam and, and, and all that, they come back, I have no idea. But when Steve Carell left the show... 
like Laura introduced me to the office and said, you need to watch this and it's great. And, and everybody was like, yeah, you got to watch the office. It's great. Everybody stopped watching when Steve Carell left the show. Well, because the show is kind of about that character in general. And he does such a good job at being the center of that universe that when yeah. he leaves, the planet spins out of orbit. Yeah. And it's weird. But mm-hmm. anywho. Uh, so Let's Netflix see. has sent out its last DVD. It is it is done and in the mail. And as you get of to keep sep- whatever DVDs you might have. Forever yep. and ever. Forever and ever <laughs> and ever. But as we are recording this on the last day of September, as of yesterday, Netflix DVD is gone. Man, that's crazy. Yeah. I used to love that. I, you know, it was great. Yeah. It really was. And depending remember- on what oh. tier you got, you could get two or three movies and poof. Yeah. I remember just having a movie sitting there for so long where I'm like, I got to watch this. I kind of don't want to watch this anymore. And then just mailing it back. <laughs> yeah. And that's fine. And they never penalized you for it. Yeah. No, no. They you just, you just said you didn't get one. the next movie in your <laughs> yeah. queue. Yeah. Yeah. And you'd have this queue of stuff that you forgot about. You'd pop it in. Oh, yeah. Uh, okay. I'll, I'll right. watch this. This isn't the one that I want anymore. Yeah. Well, you know. <laughs> but... And the envelope to send it back was prepaid postage, so you didn't even need that. Nope. Just and and we, because we actually did get some Netflix DVDs when we moved in together, like 2010, 2011, and all that. Just popped them in the mailbox so that the mail guy came. He took out what was there, put in the new mail, and poof. Yeah, yeah. I had the easy. mailbox on the corner. Just walk up to the corner back home. Yeah. Not far. And the last thing that I have news-wise, uh-huh. Disney Plus is rolling out its crackdown on password sharing mm. beginning November 1st. Mm. Canada is going to be the first to experience these new rules. <sighs> and it says here, unless otherwise permitted by your service tier, you may not share your subscription outside of your ho- of your household. Mm. If we determine that you have violated this agreement, we may limit or terminate access to the service and or take any other steps as permitted by the agreement. Okay. (laughs) And and I don't know if you caught this earlier in the show, but I started talking about um, Hulu. Hulu, I now have, surprise, surprise, the commercial full hulu that's what i have too whereas like a month ago i was paying for no commercials right and i'm like all right these aren't so bad so am i going to pay three extra bucks for this probably not so eh. yeah it's not too bad i think people no i just now the real bloodbath is beginning. You can't yeah. share passwords. We're yeah. going to raise your prices. Mm-hmm. So this is where the rubber meets the road in terms of what people are going to keep, what are they going to get rid of, you know. Yeah, I just got – the last time I logged into Netflix, I got a screen saying, "Are do you want to add something to yeah. be able to – 
share passwords. I'm like, and you, I couldn't, I had, the only button you could click is learn more. You can't just mm -hmm. clear it away and keep going. You have to click learn more to get yeah. the next screen to give you prices before you could continue on to actually get into your account. And I was like, uh, this is fucking bullshit. It's forcing fucking me bullshit. to click through that crap. You know, that was annoying. Uh, well, but yeah, we got away like with step we, one. <laughs> we got away with it for years, folks. Yeah. Well, you know. Sorry. At least Canada bites the bullet first. There's always somebody who ruins the fun. Well, it's <laughs> it's not even fun that that gets ruined. It's like you hose us for yeah. all of this money. Yeah. And then now you can't share a password. Okay, I get it from a business sense. No, then they don't make money, and that's fine. Well, then stop giving me mediocrity. Yeah, exactly. Earn the $21 that I'm giving you, Netflix. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I and I I chose to do the $21 tier because one it gives you access to 4K. Mhm. Mm and it allows me to stream on multiple devices within the house. So that is my choice. I know I could knock myself down to just like the regular uh high definition tier and only on one TV. I get that. But it was a joy to, to allow Laura's family to use the Netflix account to entertain themselves or yeah. whatever. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. It's annoying. It is. It, it is. It's annoying. And I think eventually, I don't know how far down the road, but there is going to be a pushback on all of this. And then you're going to see like three or four subscription services survive and all the rest of them are going to go away. So, any whoosie. Some have already died. You know, like Showtime yeah. has already died. And um, I don't know about Paramount Plus and where that's going to go. Yeah. But Disney's not going anywhere anytime soon. Neither is Netflix. Uh, Max, who 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 knows? Who cares? Whatever. Yeah. But anyway, just prepare for that, people in America. And sorry, our Canadian brothers, sisters, and other people in arms. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's coming. Yeah. All right. That is all the news yeah. I have. I don't have any news at all. All right. So hit us up on thewatchlistpod.com, click on the Contact Us button, or engage with us on social media, at symbol Pirate Alice, that's her, mm -hmm. at symbol Bill Ivory Larson, that's moi, or on our our podcast page, at the Watchlist Pod. what do you think about password sharing? If they crack down tomorrow, would you stop subscribing to something? Or <laughs> the person <laughs> whose password you're borrowing, would you like encourage them to stop giving them money? Or would that make you go out and actually get that service? Yeah. And then I'm just curious, what's your favorite cult movie of all time? Oh, yeah, what is it? Me? Yeah. I've, uh, I've got to say Office Space. Oh, I love Office Space. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Because it was a huge flop when it came out in 99. I loved it in 99. Huge flop. And because of video and TV and stuff, it has become a true cult classic. Yeah. Like quotable everything. Oh, so I would say my favorite cult movie. <laughs> huh? It was quotable in 1999. 
It was. It, <laughs> it was, was great, so great for the people who saw it. And, you know, working at Flingers, there's clearly somebody who wrote that that worked at Fridays because yep, Flingers exactly. is Fridays. Yeah, exactly. So I, I would have to say office space. Mm-hmm. You know, would I see that at a midnight show? No, but I would rent the VHS of it or the I, DVD of it. I would go to a midnight show if it was some kind of fun thing like that, yeah. Well, like but it, if, like if there was art per, if there was audience participation level of midnight show, yes. What are I we would all going to take out a baseball fun. bat and beat a printer? That would be great. Yeah. yeah. Dangerous, <laughs> but great. Um. Anyway, so yeah, that's that's up there. That's the one that comes to my mind. There might be others. Oh, and one other thing too, before I leave you, fine folks. One of the films that they mentioned in this this cult classic movie shit. Fucking Eraserhead. Well, yeah, that that is a well-known cult classic. Yes. Oh my god. I don't. I think I rented it back when you first could start renting it, and I, uh, yeah. <laughs> it is. What a I'm like. What the hell is this? How can people watch this over and over? That was my. And there were people saying that this movie was subversive and brilliant and yeah. and 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 all that. No. It is fucking terrible. It is awful. And not, it's, it, oh my God, it is someone's nightmare come to life. Mm-hmm. And there, there are times, and I won't describe it in detail, and then I'll let you find folks get back to your lives, <laughs> where I don't like seeing things suffer on film. Yes. You talked about earlier, does something get your, yeah, get your agita up when you do it? Anxiety. I yeah. hate when things suffer. Yeah. And in the movie Alien 4, or Alien Resurrection, the way that they kill the alien, spoiler alert, this, this shit came out in like 92 or whatever the fuck it was. So you're 25 years, 20 years too late. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they suck the alien out through a very small porthole. And it's suffering while it's doing that. And there's a look on its face like, oh, my God, I actually feel for the alien in this movie because <laughs> it looked cruel. And then the movie The Fly 2, what they do to a dog in that movie is just unrepeatable. Oh, I, I don't want to know about that. But the movie Eraserhead <sighs> had an image of a baby that you will never be able to get out of your head. And for that reason alone, I would not recommend it. Because the movie itself is just a surreal nightmare. But especially because of that, and they focus so much on of this, of this image in this documentary. Like, can we move on from Eraserhead, please? Mm-hmm. So I'm saving you all from Eraserhead. Yeah. Uh, yeah, although I, yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. Well, that's it. That's all we've got. It's been a jam-packed show. It has. Thank you for sticking with us. I know our shows have been shorter lately, but thanks for sticking with us. Yeah. This one's going to be almost an hour. Now we just need to do 16 more hours, and it'll be a Korean drama. No, I'm just giving you shit. (laughs) Oh, God. All right. I'm going to start reviewing Chinese dramas that have like 50 episodes. How would you like that? 
Okay, why don't you? And I'm going to review more Star Wars, so there. (laughs) All right, then. All right, then. Everybody, thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate it. Hit the subscribe button wherever you listen to podcasts, and uh, we will see you next time. Okay, Okay, bye. bye.